Hey, it's the intermission. You know, the sister podcast to the commentary podcast. So today on the intermission, we're going to talk about commentaries. Because some commentaries suck. My name is Teague Christie. I'm sitting here with Brian William Finifter. Greetings. And Michael Dorkman Scott. Hello. And Trey the Amazing Stokes. Hey, you know what I meant to say when I said that? Let me just sort of give you an insight into what I meant. Ooh, hmm. I like so that. I did a okay, I now, did a thing now re- rewind. Now it all makes sense, right? So, yeah, so working with Trey was great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, it was so cold that so night. Cold. Remember true. how cold it was? Yeah. Oh, so cold. And the, and the guy and that that that's John there. What was John, his name? He was John. Cool. Uh, John was good. He said the funniest thing guy. Yeah. once. I, what was that? Uh, this was a this was a <laughs> an idea from the uh, the forum. Actually, we have the intermission uh, subject suggest box, and Art Hambry suggested we talk about commentaries. And I figured, you know, we've Why earned not? it at least to say some words about the subject of commentary. Yeah. Um, sure. His question was, "Do you have favorites and least favorites?" Uh, but we might end up broadening that because. The, the list of examples that we all have might not add up to 30 yeah. minutes. But we're going to broaden that a little bit and also talk about the form. But we can start with examples. For myself, I have what, whenever I tell someone this, and now everyone's heard it, so I don't have to tell anyone else this. <laughs> whenever I tell someone this, they look at me like I'm a fucking idiot. I'm not big on commentaries. <laughs> Hi, I host down in front. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I've heard several. I've probably heard between two and a half a dozen commentaries. The ones that I've heard are mostly stuff that I listen to in high school so most of the commentaries i've heard are from movies that i thought were great in high school which are generally awful comedies so i've heard several trey parker matt stone commentaries and at least one or two kevin smith commentaries and then the rest i think i listened to darabont's shawshank commentary and nothing else comes to mind oh and uhf see there's me what up (laughs) kevin wow kevin smith trey parker matt stone weird al yankovic and frank darabont um, and I, I don't recall explicitly liking any of them, and that might be why I don't listen to them. And the reason I, I was, we were sort of bullshitting about this before the, the intermission started, and I said, well, if I had to reverse engineer why, I, I might say a lot of the times you listen to a commentary to get the insight from the director. <laughs> and a lot of the times, if it's a movie you're interested in, before you flip on the commentary, you might have already gone to the IMDb trivia page and the wiki page, and then most of the stuff from that commentary that you would find particularly interesting ended up on those pages. You've already seen it. And then the question is, well, what are you going to... Yeah, I don't care. You know, I get it. Cool. Good job, director. And I skip the commentary thing altogether. Um, I will throw a shout out for incredibly funny Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who apparently forget they're doing commentaries, so they get shit-faced and then don't talk for half an hour commentaries. Shout out. But other than that, I'm not, I'm not big on them. There's none that stand out in my life where it's like that was a formative thing that I heard or something like that. It's just, if I'm extremely bored, I might listen to the commentary. <laughs> So listen to Down in Front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all about commentaries all the time. I've actually, I, was, I, can't, I can't remember what it was, but I recently rented a movie that I'd never seen, didn't even bother to watch it without the commentary. I was like, I know what the sound, and it's going to be whatever the fuck it is. I, just, I, went, I went straight to the commentary. The first time I watched it, it was with Was it the Airbender? Uh, no, it wasn't Airbender. I can't. I was thinking. Remember so. a second ago when I said I couldn't remember what movie it was? Yeah, um, it was. Uh, you know, Air, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wiped it out. It was very. It was very clear from the Airbender commentary that I have never seen Last Airbender. So, <laughs> so that wasn't the one. Brian, do you have any like history with commentaries? Is there any like that you've listened? I think I listened to a couple of visual effects. I think I doesn't Apollo 13. Now, have now a, you want to talk about bad commentaries? <laughs> visual <laughs> effects <laughs> people do the worst commentary. Uh, says the table full of visual effects. Exactly. People. That's why we. You know, it's like that's why. Down in front. We're was, trying to bring it down up. Down in front was a visual effects based podcast doing commentaries for about three episodes, and then we stopped that shit immediately, <laughs> and, and rightly so, because um, nothing's worse than listening to visual effects people talk about visual effects in a commentary. 
yeah, I mean, I before film school and kind of around film school, I was definitely you know in the process of oh movies, I want to do movies, and I need to know everything about movies now. Yeah, I, I they kinda, talk about movies. I, I I tried to do it religiously, and then I think it was on the Scott Pil- Pilgrim soundtrack uh, uh, commentary. I was like, you know, I haven't listened to a commentary in a long fucking time. So I was like, I sat down specifically with the goal of rewatching Scott Pilgrim to start listening to more commentaries. And fuck no, I haven't done it. It's like it's just, that's it's a, and God bless every single one of our fans. I think the problem but, is, but seriously, it's like two. Okay, theoretically, <laughs> if you're gonna watch this movie, that's two hours of time that you have to invest out of a day to watch this movie. And if you're gonna listen to the commentary. You have to do that all over again. Now, I think that. that's why Down in Front is superior, even in terms of quality. Sometimes we're superior. Sometimes there's more interesting real commentaries. But I think in terms of a delivery device, just you don't have to watch the movie. Just <clears throat> You're working. You're yeah. at work. Put on your headphones. Listen to some people talk about a movie while you're working. And Way as- better than you sit there and you watch Fight Club, but you don't listen to it. Even though I think Down in Front commentaries work really well with the movies, that's a big advantage where it's like, I can just jog and listen to Down in Front. And that's something we discovered early on and have been trying to, you know, have tried to gear our com- our podcast towards ever since, and rightfully so, I think. <laughs> but um, I the only, th- the only thing that even, like, pops up in my memory as notable is the Wrath of Khan commentary. I think uh, some people on the forum, like, shit all over it uh, recently. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently there's two commentaries okay it's been so it long be i don't case. remember which one or both well, or they're whatever. Di- from different eras apparently one apparently. is more closer it, to the time and one is more in retrospect um, apparently but i do remember the, the the collector's edition of wrath of khan the dvd uh that issue uh really feeling like nicholas meyer had a lot of insightful things to say about the craft of filmmaking other than that i got nothing so i was gonna jump in and say one thing i found really interesting is tv show commentaries mm-hmm. um mainly because i don't know if it's because of the pacing but I found you get a little bit more of the actual uh, craft stories. Uh, one good example is the podcast commentaries that Ron Moore did for the new Balsar Galactic. Okay. Those yeah. were yeah. very good. Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, I, I was going to say Firefly commentaries. I have heard two of those. Yeah, Firefly commentaries, Firefly are, commentaries are very good. And I do think uh, maybe the medium of television lends itself more because it's so much more like, we just have to fucking figure this out for today. And how do we do that? And it, it requires you as a creative professional to be more creative uh, and a little more under the also pressure. Also, the delivery system of a commentary for a television show is so much easier because it's it's you know it's on the air and you know or it's on iTunes and then well we'll put up a companion piece as opposed to you have to wait for it to come out on video like feature and you have to buy it and it may or may not even have a commentary track. You know, so I think people who seek out TV commentary tracks because you do have to seek them out, yeah, um, are people who want to hear commentary tracks more. So you can play to that audience more. I did listen, you know, because I was very much into to Battlestar when it was on the air, and for the first couple of seasons or whatever it was, uh, I did rather religiously listen to the the commentaries for the episodes, and that was part of my fuel for like, wow, they this really isn't a great show because they are really making this shit up as they go along. <laughs> And they don't have a plan at all. Oh, I, I completely agree. But <laughs> yeah. I think some of that um, hearing how they were making it, I mean, I completely agree that looking at it as the as the viewer of the show going, wow, they've got this great plan and they're building towards something, it does destroy that quite Absolutely. readily. But I think from the, the craft side of it, it's like, wow, they're actually thinking these through and how they're thinking of, well, let's do the World War II board you know, for the fights 
you know, for presentation yeah. and visuals or like let's set a mic down in the writer's room and that kind of commentary kind of stuff. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. One one of my friends has talked about how he officially said fuck that show when because not, not only did great little podcasts that were commentaries for the episodes, they would also just put a mic down in the writer's room as the writers kind of brainstormed what they were going to do. And those especially became very clear that they just were didn't Maybe we give a go shit to at Earth. all. Okay, yeah, sure. And, and what? The, and the, and the thing was like they, as much as we are liquored up on some of our commentaries, they were very liquored up in in their writing room. And it's and my my one friend is like, you know, they were just they were just getting shit faced, and there was no actual professionalism or like attempt at crafting a story. Really, they were just getting shit faced and throwing shit on a wall and. And going with it. So it's like sometimes a commentary can be insightful, but not in the way the people are intending. And I think Battlestar. Revealing. In any revealing, case, it's revealing. Yeah. Revealing. And I think the Battlestar commentaries are an example of that. Now, Mike, what about you in commentaries? Are you Mr. Commentaries? I, for a while, I was. But like when, when DVDs first became a thing and they were like, hey, yeah. we can put other stuff on it. And they all started having commentaries. I got very excited about that and listened to like every one of them I could. And then I started, there was a point where I was, I, I would start watching movies and be like, I don't really care what they had to say about this because <laughs> I didn't like the movie. So why do I care about how you made it? Um, and uh, it be it became because of, a, a you know, the time commitment and stuff like that. Um, it came down to, okay, I saw the movie and I, in many cases, I even liked the movie. Do I care enough to find out what you have to say about making it? Not really. You know, is, is there the something specific in here that I want to know how they did that I can't figure out just, you know, reverse engineering yeah. it? Asterisk. Late, uh, <laughs> lately, I've been trying to get uh, back into it more. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tend to uh, put movies on my iPad with the commentary track instead of the, the normal mm -hmm. uh, audio track so that I've got something while I'm working to, to listen to and stuff like that. Uh, and then I immediately delete it and don't put it on the Internet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, uh, don't come after me. But, um, uh, yeah, so I've, I've watched a few recent ones, but there was a span of probably a good seven, eight years where I didn't mm -hmm. really touch any, any particular commentaries. Um, but I do have lists of ones I can think of off the top of my head that I liked and disliked. Um, we'll get so. there in a second. In the I thought that room, was the topic. It is. <laughs> it is. Not so fast. It is. <laughs> but a development in the chat room will lead us easily into Trey, but it also congratulates us. So, I so like many it. things lead you easily into In the chat room, Frank says, Cameron is always great. I watched Titanic again with his comments. Uh, I've never even known him I to do a commentary. I haven't seen that yet. iJim says, agree, Frank. Dodson says, although I got to say I prefer the diff Titanic commentary. iJim says, agree, Dodson. <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir. So well done, what I was going to get into is, uh, is Trey. Uh, Cameron is equal to Trey in my head now in terms of <laughs> segues. Uh, what, Trey's opinions. And then, like, are there any directors that it's like, you know what, whatever movie. I didn't even know Cameron had ever done a commentary for anything. You got any, like, commentaries that, that come to mind where it's like. I do. But the uh, first thing I want to do is address the bigger question that you guys have all answered because I'm the odd man out. Um, I the only reason I will buy a DVD is if it has commentaries because I don't see a point of having a DVD otherwise. That you that used to be my thing, but then yeah. I would end up not listening to it because I don't care. Like I <laughs> like I go you know I go to the Ralphs and they've got the you know the five dollar bin and I'm like oh hey there's a movie I kind of like but I check the back oh there's a commentary boom five dollars totally worth it. Um, I I'm a fiend for commentaries um, and sometimes they're disappointing but uh, you know often they're kind of surprising. It doesn't matter what the movie is. It uh, sometimes you can get some really interesting insights from a commentary from a movie that itself maybe not that remarkable. What do you hope to get out of a commentary. I, I, I'm, I think I think anytime you hear any any 
the good commentaries are ones where they actually talk about the process. The bad commentaries, as we jokingly refer to what Edgar Wright has dubbed the it was so cold commentary, where literally it's it's an it's an obligation for for yeah. people to it's like part of their look, contract. Like now. it's now you have to do a director's commentary for the DVD, and they don't have a reason to do a commentary. They don't have a desire to do a commentary. They don't know how to do a commentary. They probably don't listen to commentaries themselves. And and Edgar Wright has referred to these as the it was so cold commentary, where they just literally sit a guy down in front of a movie. And just expect him to have things to say, and often they don't. And so you get the, yeah, it was really cold that night. And if you got two guys, and they're both going, remember how cold it was? Yeah, it was so cold that night. Here's that guy. What was his name? He was cool. He was funny. I liked that guy. Bob, that was his name. He was good. Remember how long this shot took? It took a long oh, time. We were, oh, we were there until like four in the morning. It was, yeah. see, it's almost dawn. See, those are, the, those are commentaries that aren't worth having, the obligatory ones. But the ones where directors or whoever um, talks about the process and talks about the trials and tribulations and really tells the stories of um, one of the one of the better commentaries I can think of recently that I've heard is a movie that I don't care for at all, but I like the commentary. Um, and I saw just mentioned just recently, it might even have been in our own forum where someone said it's a terrible commentary. Don't don't listen to that commentary if you like the movie. Um, and maybe it's because the director was so forthcoming about the things he didn't know and the things he felt he didn't do very well. It was Equilibrium. Um, I thought the Equilibrium commentary was very was very good because the director said, yeah, this scene never really got it. You know, this scene doesn't quite work for me. And I just, you know, we tried it a bunch of different ways and I just never really got it. You know, and it's like, and that's, to me, that's reassuring. It's like, you see, <laughs> it's, it, it, which is why I don't, I, it's, it's a crap shoot. It's funny, the <laughs> idea that, you know, oh, the Battlestar Galactica, they suck. They're just making it up as they go along. That's what makes it awesome. They just uh-huh. made that up as they went along. That's every television show, I, I but not every television show is Battlestar Galactica. I feel the same way. I haven't heard, I don't even know if there are commentaries, but watching Breaking Bad, I've been trying to avoid spoilers, but like, Still, I'm I'm still interested, so I'm like trying to walk the line of like, okay, there's a spoiler over there, so I have to not yeah, just <laughs> turn my head I, left. It's, it's a, I can tell it's pink. It's a pink spoiler, yeah, but <laughs> but but I'm gonna read the things that are up to where I'm at that, and, and avoid that spoiler. And the TV of, tropes is the yeah. the, pa- the TV tropes page for anything in the world is that yeah. experience. And and, and one of the things about Breaking Bad is is that the the showrunner has openly admitted he's like, I got no idea. I got yeah. no idea where we're heading. Yeah. I don't have a plan. Here's We've the deal: making it up as we. We along. have a ticking clock, so yeah. it's okay. And yeah. I, I'm going to write this until it gets fucking dead. And I'm like, if that doesn't upset me to know that, that amazes me yeah. to know that he's making <laughs> it. They can deliver that, quality work. That's, right, that's a fair point. The, and this is <laughs> off. T- this is kind of getting off on the rails. The the issue with Battlestar Galactica is at the front of every episode came the tag words of the Cylons have, a, have plan. a plan. It's like okay. Then that you as the writers should probably have yeah. an idea of what that plan is. Yeah, and you know, that's that's the amazing thing is they they some, one of these days we're actually figure out what the silence plan is. Right, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. yeah, but you know we'll probably get canceled, so maybe we'll never have to worry about it. The AMC uh, for I think they I don't think they're still doing it, but they used to do a thing where uh, they would have like a five minute break between Breaking Bad and whatever the next show was, and they every week produced a five minute behind the scenes for the episode you just watched. Mm. So you get to see Brian Cranston talking about that episode and the fucking the the kid and that it was cool. It was and you can find most of those on YouTube if you're interested for ones you just watch the episodes of. So, all right, back to the subject of oh my asterisk. I'll do that yeah. before we go back into it. My asterisk. Brian said or no no Brian, Brian. was talking about the uh, whether or not there's any inherent value <laughs> to actually watching a commentary and that came to mind an awful. Uh, I just did uh, for the first time in my life. I don't know if you guys have maybe. Uh, I did a commentary for a movie that was going on on DVD. I did that uh, with uh, with Ryan Weber and with Chad Peter for Chad's movie, Apocalypse California. We did two commentaries. We did one, uh, and we did them in order the same night. We started with the VFX commentary, because that's what we were officially trying to do, was me and Ryan were going to sit down and talk about the effects we did in Apocalypse California with Chad 
over the course of the movie, right? And we had the exact same setup. It was this exact same mic setup in the mixer boards and this table and that TV. And, and we just went through same it. Piano. Same piano. Same piano. <laughs> no cat. And um, there we go. A little something like this. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it basically became. Uh, it became. Down in fronty, we started drinking margaritas and we were having fun. We popped champagne. It was like, yay, the movie's done. And we did it. And it was fun. And we got through all of our visual effect anecdotes in about the first 30 minutes. And the last of it was just fucking all down in front all the way to the end. And we're just like having fun with it and telling stories about it. And that was cool. And we're like, we should do another commentary. It's like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> we should do same ten, three ten people. Second commentary for the same movie. And when you get the DVD, you will have both. And the second one, I said, I have an idea. Let me run, let me run this one real quick. All right, Chad. You're at the beginning of your movie because I'm talking to him in the future, listening to his final cut thing, editing in the what will be the audio track, the second audio track for the movie. All right, you're gonna do the thing. You're at the very beginning of the time code. Three, two, one. Pause. And Chad says, "Hey, we're here with the second commentary." Blah 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 blah. And I said, "Chad." And he says, "What?" And I say, "We're gonna do a commentary explaining from the beginning to the end, out of sequence of the movie, how you made this movie." So the entire second commentary of Apocalypse California is from writing to the process of casting and finding actors and firing actors and dealing with actors, filming, lens choices, production, production anecdotes and tangents, then editing, then releasing, then self-distributing, then talking with Netflix. The entire commentary just takes you all the way through. It's basically an audio file that you get with the movie. It just happens to be movie length. About the, the same telling length you, as the movie. Telling you, look, here's how you make a movie like this for twenty five grand, and you get it out there. And it was really, really cool. In terms of commentaries that have worth, things like that would interest me a lot. I, I, I haven't listened to enough to know what other ones like that there are, but I think that's a really great commentary. And that sounds, in, that sounds like a very insightful commentary, which I would imagine doing Down in Front for three years probably helped make it a better commentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've gotten way so. better at for all of my... That commentary, I'm sure, is better than John Favreau's Iron Man 2 commentary, which is one of the <laughs> for worst all of my I've heard lately. Wacky tangents I don't and think jokes, I listen to it all the way to the it's end. Gotten, I've gotten better at leading a conversation one way or another and getting it past something. Anyway, so the thing I was going to put after the asterisk is... The directors. Is there any like director where you're like every time I've heard that guy's do that guy do a comment? Paul I mean, Thomas Anderson. Great, really great commentary. I have I, I've I've heard that. Yeah. I haven't heard any of his commentaries. I haven't heard but all I of them. There's, heard that. there's there's one. I guess well, Sydney is the movie of his that he always refers to that I've never actually seen. Um, Hard Eight. It was released as Hard Eight. Um, it's the one the studio took away from him and changed. So it's kind of in that weird gray area. I have heard his commentary for Boogie Nights um, and for one other. And I think that apparently there's. There's more than one commentary for Booger Nights. There's one kind of famous one where the whole cast was there and they were like cooking food or something. It was supposed to be really kind of a raucous kind of a fun commentary. But he's he's very he goes very in depth on you know the process and here's why I made this choice and you know here's why I did the scene this way and he's you know if you want to hear a director talking about not that guy was nice and isn't that a great shirt but talking about here's what I was trying to do when I did this movie um, and you're interested in that process then then Paul Thomas Anderson is is great for that. And another one is, um, <clears throat> and again, I have to I have to give him props because I think his commentaries are. I was I was kind of bracing myself like, wow, I might not make it through this, but actually, it was uh, quite fascinating. His Fincher's commentary, I've only heard for Social Network, but uh, his commentary for Social Network is uh, is quite good because he talks about you know again the sort of the process and and just a lot of the you know what was I trying to do when I made this movie, which uh, you know I was I found interesting. I remember in my Fight Club phase listening to the Fight Club commentary. Now that you mention it, and that, I only listened to one of like the <clears> twenty-five <throat> that were on that disc, and I listened to the one with Fincher and Norton and Pitt, and I remember liking it. And I don't remember any anecdotes except for I remember that they were particularly mad at Volkswagen bugs for like 
remarketing those guys' childhoods or something. Bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. I don't know. Um, I uh, I particularly in, I, I enjoyed J.J. Uh, Abrams' commentary on Star Trek. Oh, I, I'd like to hear that. I did I not enjoy it. his commentary on Super 8, though. So uh, he's, uh, he's hit or miss for me. I haven't heard either one. <laughs> What's the difference? Aside from the main different movies... <laughs> do they do um, they do different things as commentaries? Yeah, Star Trek uh, to to me it felt like Star Trek was um a little bit more on point in discussing the movie and oh we did this and and you know we were we were trying to get this done et cetera et cetera whereas Super 8 was very kind of um superficial in a sense when they were talking about the movie it was it was uh, a lot more close to narration. I mean, a little bit more in terms of subtext, but the kind of subtext where it's like, all right, any 14-year-old who's seen any other movies gets what you are doing there <laughs> because you are a skilled enough director to have gotten that through. Like, you don't have to explain that. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, a little... It verges occasionally on it was so cold that night territory. <laughs> and because because he's there with a bunch of his buddies from... From when they did that, so wow. it was—it's just them hanging out and talking about. Oh man, remember how how much of this is like what we used to do and stuff like that. And it's like that's fun, but it's not you, like I'm not I, part of your your clique, so I, I'm not really enjoying this. I was gonna much. say that's that that seems counterintuitive to what you think it would be because Super Eight was the more personal project. Right. They really, you know, uh, Star Trek was the studio gig that he yeah. he made because the studio wanted him to make it, and Super Eight was the movie he really wanted to make. So you would think that. He would have put more artistic, you know. Well, he thought. did, but but and at he the certainly same time. did. But be, but also, you know, that artistic thought being more at the top level of his brain, going, okay, I've I've been thinking about this movie for fifteen right. years, and that's why the lenses in this scene do this. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised at like this is not a great commentary that I, I'm not particularly uh, enjoying that much. I really enjoyed. Uh, in terms of other recent ones, I enjoyed the commentary to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, that had a lot of really good uh, stuff in it, and it was very funny. It's almost as funny as the movie, um, because the the two guys who were doing the commentary also wrote and directed the movie. So um, there was that. I, a, one that I was really surprised I didn't like that much was Network. Sidney really? Lumet mm. did did one for Network, wow. and it was another thing where I was like, anyone who's read like your book or anything like that knows what how that works <laughs> how <laughs> subtext and stuff works so it was it was just very dry and i was kind of surprised by that i was really disappointed one most recently disappointing one was um manchurian candidate the remake of the manchurian candidate with uh, jonathan demi and his commentary really is very flat and like I, I listened to him talk the whole time and i didn't really learn anything about how he made manchurian candidate <laughs> or why it just it was it was just he really didn't seem like he had a lot to say there um actually uh, what, another one i thought of uh, you could do like a, a good and <laughs> a bad um, I've mentioned this at some point in some other context, whether it was one of our commentaries or whatever. But um, uh, Stephen uh, probably was in the GI Joe commentary. I was going to say Steve. I was going to say Stephen Summers Steve, for Mummy Steve, and Mummy Returns. Stephen Summers Mummy and Mummy Returns because his Mummy commentary, the one I have, there may be an earlier version, but the one I have is when it was the DVD re-release when it was you know packaged with Mummy Two to promote the coming Mummy Three in the theaters. So it was it was several years after the making of the Mummy that he made that commentary. And it's him and Bob Doucet, who's his editor slash co-producer on on all those projects, and uh, and I think it was partly because of the the distance, you know, that it wasn't like here we are, you know, we just finished making the movie two weeks ago, we're about to screen it for the first time, and we have to do this DVD commentary and get that done, and you know, and and in that sort of sell mode, like yeah, we made this movie, you have to go see it. Um, it was several years later, and he was able to sort of you know, in a more retrospective way, talk about it, and he was much more honest about boy, <laughs> yeah, same thing. It was like this scene 
whoo, this scene never really quite made it. You know, I'm yeah. really, I'm, I'm proud That's of the same one I've of, heard. As opposed to, as opposed to um, his Van Helsing commentary, which oh. very much is, we're still making Van Helsing and I have to throw this commentary oh. in where it's like, you don't get that same sense. He, was, he wasn't ready. Uh-huh. He wasn't ready to say something didn't work yet. Right. <laughs> you know, it was, and that's very much more, uh, you know, it's not, not as valid a commentary, not as interesting. It's much more like, you know, he's great. Oh, such a great actor. So great to work with. He's great. I love suddenly, that guy. He's good. I'm suddenly reminded of we were shown a piece of Triple X with the commentary in film school. Oh, wow. Which, directed by Rob Cohen. And it was the, the sequence where he jumps his motorbike over the exploding super big thing. <laughs> and, and, there's, then, know, and it repeats and repeats. Yeah, he, he used like the sports, 20, the sports model. Yeah, it, well, it's 20 angles of it. And he's he made the he was re- referencing cubism as like the, the inspiration. Like he's literally like, yeah, this was cubism. As as I was thinking about cubism when I did this, and because of the angles and the different day, and I just was like, I actually thinking about it, I kind of want to go back and see if he's like that all the time. Because that would, that yeah. might like to have a really dry Sidney Lumet, Nicholas Meyer intellectual yeah. commentary. For triple X, <laughs> or well, stealth, the, the, or whatever the, the fuck deeper else. meaning, the yeah. deeper meanings of this. The other time I uh, I have opinions about commentaries aren't when I've heard them, but it's when I I hear what they are like gimmick commentaries like Brian Cox did Sunshine, or when they did the fucking ten disc box set of the Matrix series, they had one commentary for each movie that was just all the critics who gave it zero stars doing oh. a commentary for, and you're like <laughs> and you're like you know what, fucking high five, yeah, yes sir. I haven't listened to any of those. I think we actually have the... I should listen to those. But I know there's a... Dorkman's dying. Are you okay? I am. I went and got water and I'm still... Boy, if you were me, you'd you'd lost the whole third grade by now. You (laughs) wouldn't have remembered anything. But I like the idea of... What's my name? We got got guys that fucking hated Reloading Revolutions to do commentaries for them. And we put them on the official We're Selling It at Best Buy disc. One of the most hit and miss commentaries is one that you have that I borrowed from you, but I don't think you've listened to because I mentioned it before, is the Spaced American Commentaries. Um, because spaced the American, you know, the original commentaries are the actual commentaries they did at first for the show. The American discs have the American commentaries. They have the other commentaries too, but the American commentaries are literally where they just had geeky kind of people with geek cred come in and sit with them and have geeky conversations, which many times are not even about the episode that's happening in front of them. So, you know, and so it, they're they're hit and miss. Oh, we do that. Yeah, exactly. It, it sounds like a down in front. Episode. Exactly. It totally sounds like a down in front, except it's Patton Oswalt or Diablo Cody or Quentin Tarantino talking to the yeah. makers of you know, and they, and. Sometimes Sometimes they'll just talk for whatever for 30 minutes. It's nothing to do with the show whatsoever. Sounds on, exactly like a down. Yeah. Are episode. they enjoyable yeah. listens? Some of them are and some of them aren't. Patton Oswalt, yes. Diablo Cody really didn't bring much. Tarantino's are kind of, as I recall, kind of have one, one's kind of okay and one's kind of not, you know. But, uh, on, uh, on Dark City, I, this was the Dark first. Dark City's supposed to be very This was the commentary. first time I, could re- I remember seeing that because Alex Proyas did a commentary, and I actually haven't listened to these commentaries even though I really love the movie. Um, but Alex Proyas, the director, did a commentary, and Roger Ebert, Yes. Did his own commentary right. for Dark City because he loved it and he was like an evangelist for it when nobody even knew it was out yeah. there. He gave a, you know four stars to it and, and all that stuff. He loved it and so he was trying to do anything he could to help uh, kind of get get it promoted and get the someone word out. Who, someone who doesn't do commentaries, to my knowledge, is Spielberg. I don't think he does no, them. He's he's, um, he's I, one of those. The movie should yeah, speak for itself. And I think Eastwood is another who has <laughs> never done commentaries, to my knowledge. In fact, the Disc of Unforgiven, which. Whoever has it now, make sure you bring it when we do the show. But um, the Disc of Unforgiven has a commentary, but it's Richard, Richard Corliss, who is the in-house you know, uh, movie reviewer for Time Magazine, has been for many years, and is also Clint Eastwood's biographer. Um, and so you think the funny thing about that commentary is you think that he, uh, 
you know, if anyone would be an authority on, you know, Clint Eastwood, he's, he obviously knows Clint Eastwood. He's, you know, he's a respected film reviewer. He's wrote his biography. Um, there's things we, <laughs> I can't wait to do Unforgiven on our commentary because Richard Corliss says some stupid shit that is like, yeah. that's not right. Get out of there, Richard Corliss. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not Clint Eastwood. You're Richard Corliss. No, he's like, he, he expresses some opinions where I'm like, what? We went to totally different film schools, dude, because uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me, what you just said. So I can't wait to tear, tear Richard Corliss a new one I, when we do The Unforgiven. I do want to say the problem. <laughs> and man, he has it coming. Oh, yeah. boy. Probably the, the worst Asshole. commentary I ever listened to was uh, the John Carpenter and his DP on In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is a great movie. I love the movie. And so I was like, I got to hear this commentary. And it's it's... Even worse than it, it, it was so cold that night commentary. <laughs> it was literally a, oh, how'd you like this? Oh, yeah, we, well, we got a big, you know, we, we got a 4K outside, and then we got a, a blondie on the guy. It looks like you got a rim light on him. Oh, yeah, there's a rim light, too. <laughs> and then they wait for the next shot, and he's like, oh, what about this one? Oh, yeah, we put a bunch of mist in the... Re- it's like, are you fucking kidding me? This is the worst thing I've ever heard. And, and it is like, possible to have too much behind-the-scenes yeah. information. And it, it was just, I, I was just so, like, astonished by how completely uninsulted, I mean, if if you were, like, super into being a DP and stuff, maybe, but uh, as as it was, I was like, you're not going to talk about this movie at all, are you? And and I didn't finish that commentary, but I've, I've apparently there are sites that review commentaries, and they were like, <laughs> yeah, there are, this yeah. one right here, uh-uh. Yeah, there, there, like, there are one, sites so. that will talk about commentary, that will review the commentary track. And they'll have like their their good ones and their bad ones and everything else. One, one and tying I mean, it tying into us, the Lord of the Rings commentaries, which oh, there's a ton of them on the Exhibition. gold standard, gold standard commentaries. Beautiful, they're yeah, wonderful, fantastic yeah. commentaries. It's it's the perfect an- anecdote for anyone who says, well, they didn't even read the books. Listen, they will tell you in those commentaries <laughs> how much they read the books yeah. and how every every tiny thing they changed was like at great you know agonization and oh my god can well if you and how they defend stuff like fanboys will go well that was so stupid they changed that and then we go well if you actually read the books you'll see that it's like you know it's like it's like argumenting with a fundamentalist like well have you actually read the bible i have in fact have you well not all the way through but i know the gist um i we mentioned i think we mentioned it in the uh in the commentary, our commentary itself, but the Tropic Thunder commentary yeah. is amusing because, as in the movie, Robert Downey in the movie jokingly says he doesn't break character until the commentary, which he, in fact, does in the commentary. He stays in that character in the commentary. And, and then dro- when he drops that character in the movie, he drops it He in becomes the, the Australian yeah, character yeah. when he turns back into Australian, and then when the credits are rolling, he turns back into Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And it's very funny, and, and Stiller is kind of hit and miss and Jack Black is literally has brought in like Taco Bell and French fries and he's just eating so he's being his character too but I think that's just because who he is and so it's a, it's a kind of a hit and miss commentary but it is funny for uh, for Downey who's like being himself both on and off screen he's still being that character it's amusing anyway so uh, the takeaway from this is look forward to our Lord of the Rings commentaries and please don't die, Michael. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. And, Should I be worried about getting sick myself? Are you just coffee, or are this you is like just sick? coffee? I'm I'm done with being sick. I was really sick this week, like but a, I'm over it's it. It's like you had a pigeon feather in your lung. Yeah, now or that's what like it that. feels like. I'll throw in one last commentary. It's like if you happen to listen to the down in front Moby Dick commentary. Um, I heard the director was actually there. He actually was there, and 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 my and my, also one of the assistant editors. That's true, and, and, one, of the and one of the on screen actors. Um, and one of the reasons that uh, the and, and there have been people who have been you know have been upset at me for you know well that's or if you want to sell your movie that's not the way to do it. Well, it's not my job to sell the movie, so 
that's that you're way off base. Um, but the reason, part of the reason that the movie did commentary is what it is, is because I like it when directors go, yeah, we, we've screwed the pooch and that's saying that didn't, you know, here's why, uh, if, if it matters, here's why. You know, the, I think the worst for me overall is when the director tries to like just happy talk his way through everything. It's like, you know, you made a, you know, your movie's not great, right? I mean, yeah. you know that. So. I, I haven't heard it, but I hear the director's commentary for Monkey Bone. Ah. Which was uh, the guy who did Nightmare Same, Before Henry Christmas Selleck. Coraline. Harry, Henry Selleck. He tears that movie a new one <laughs> from what good. I understand. Uh, so uh, in part because I think it got taken away from him. Yeah. So he was even more so. And oh, then they still had him in to do the commentary. Yeah. And also uh, uh, Joel Schumacher, I believe, apologized for Batman and yes, Robin on I've that commentary. Yes, I've heard that too. And another so. one that I keep meaning to check out because talk about a movie that I don't <laughs> want to see otherwise. Um, apparently among the many commentaries for Charlie's Angels Full Throttle mm. is John August and one of the other writers who you know rewrote each other who would do an entire commentary just them talking about well I wrote this scene and then it goes to your scene here that and talking about trying to make explaining why the movie makes no goddamn sense <laughs> because they each wrote parts of it that then just sort of got jumbled together so it's actually them trying to make sense of the movie they wrote <laughs> which is I think I really want to check that one out Anyway, this has been 32 minutes of the intermission. Thank you much for listening. My name is T. Christie. Ryan Fittiter. Hi, Scott. Jay Stokes. Good day, good day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I you remember that commentary we were doing when Mike was coughing? He was coughing so hard that night. Yeah. It just, oh, it was so much coughing. Mike's a, Mike's a good guy. I, a I, good like guy. I thought I was going to die. I liked him, yeah. It was funny, though, but was you really did. That you pulled through, and that's all that matters. Was there a rim light? Have you got some rim light on you there? Huh? I didn't believe a word of it. <laughs>